Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. With all heads bowed and eyes closed, our Father and our God, we do bless your mighty and majestic name. Thank you for last night's rest. Thank you for the privilege of another day. We're grateful, Lord, that we have this opportunity to gather around your word and to gather in your house once again to lift high the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, as we come now, we pray that you would forgive us of our sins that we have committed by thought or deed. We have fallen victim to lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and pride of life. But you made us an amazing promise you said, as far as the east is from the west, so far have I removed your sins and your transgressions. You told us that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us. So, Lord, clean us up. Make us fit vessels that we might receive what you have for us. Lord, as I speak, I pray that you might give me words so that I might fearlessly make known the mysteries of the gospel. We ask all of this in the mighty and matchless name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and our soon-to-come reigning King, we pray. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, no pressure. You've just finished eating. And I have been where you are, so I solicit your prayers. Uh, so let me, let me move quickly. I really do mean that this time. I'm not kidding. Um, I want to look at a familiar passage, Luke chapter 19. And I would like to begin reading in your hearing verse 33 in Luke chapter 19. And when you have found it, just say amen. Amen. Luke chapter 19, beginning at verse 33, this is what it says. But as they were loosing the colt, the owners of it said to them, why are you loosing the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of him. Then they brought him to Jesus and they threw their own clothes on the colt, and they set Jesus on him. And as he went, many spread their clothes on the road. Then, as he was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. 
peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. So ends the reading of God's word. My message this morning is uh, lessons from Palm Sunday. Lessons from Palm Sunday. The crowd was unusually thick and the noise was loud. Many had gathered in Jerusalem, which was never a very large town, to celebrate the Jewish Sabbath, which would have been the day before Jesus makes his triumphant entry into Jerusalem. Many were wondering whether or not Jesus would actually show up. There was a price on his head. His enemies were going to be there. And many were wondering if this carpenter would really show up or not. And Jesus shows up. And his enemies are there, but also his disciples are there. They were bold, they were excited, they were determined to give praise and glory to their Lord. In other words, they were not ashamed to own Jesus. Jesus was now making his entry. He had said on at least two occasions that he was the Messiah. His hour had now come, and Jesus was making it known to all that he was the long-awaited King, Savior, and Lord. It was his hour, and the people were excited. Let me pause there for a moment. The people, his disciples, were excited. Uh, let me try over here. He, he, it says that his disciples, those who are his followers, those who love him, those who claim his name, those are the folks who were excited. Yes. And, and see, that's important. In a day where the misery index is so high, I need to praise someone and something that I know will not fail me. So they were just excited to see Jesus. And they could not, they had, listen, they had a case of the can't help it. I can't help but praise him. And we'll get into in a few moments why they were so excited about Jesus. And even today, we still pause to reflect on what Jesus did that particular day. 
Let's see what the text can teach us about these disciples and uh, some things, maybe some holy hints that we too can learn as we journey and to be more like him. The first thing I discovered is that these disciples, these followers of Christ, were eager to serve. Preacher, where you get that from? Well, the Bible does say that Jesus told two of his disciples to go to a neighboring village, and when you get there, you're going to find a donkey tied up. If the owner should ask you, why are you untying the donkey? Tell them that the Lord has need of it. These two disciples, it says, he sent two. Now, I, I need to pause there for a moment because, see, I imagine, and help me for a moment, that if Jesus asked you to do something, there might be some level of excitement because who is asking you to do some bidding on his behalf? Um, Jesus invited them to participate with him in ministry. Um, do you still get excited about serving? I mean, really, does it still make something happen to you when you serve on behalf of him who is able to do exceeding abundantly and above all that you ever think or imagine? He, and listen, he does not need us to do anything. He's a sovereign God. Can do whatever he wants, however he wants, whenever he wants. But he chooses to use you and I, as messed up and jacked up as we are, to work in his ministry, to partner with him. Listen, we look most like Jesus as we serve others. Jesus said on one occasion, he said, I did not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life a ransom for many. That's when we look like Jesus. That's why we serve, not to earn our salvation. No, 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 beloved, don't ever think that. You, listen, you'll never know if you've ever done enough. Amen. It's by faith alone and Christ alone. Amen. Amen. So, so here, we have the privilege to to be able to come alongside of Jesus. And I imagine those fellows were some kind of excited when Jesus chose them to go and do some of his bidding. What are, what are some of the things we learned from these brothers? Well, first of all, we learned that if we're going to be used by him, we must make ourselves available. That's what these fellows did. I don't know what their schedule was. I don't know what kind of responsibilities they had. But when Jesus gave them a task, they went and did what the master told them to do. Listen, Jesus is still inviting you to partner with him in ministry. He still has some things to be done, some people to, be, to meet, some services to be rendered. And he's calling you and I to serve as his hands, his feet, his, his mouth, however we can help push ministry. 
Make yourself available. And then they followed instructions. Let me tell you what they did not do. They didn't say, wait a minute, did he tell us to go to a neighboring village to get a donkey? How do we know the donkey's going to be there? What if we go all the way there and he's not going to, I know he told us if we run into some difficulty to just let him know that the Lord has need of it, but come on, you know, that's a good clip to run all the way over there and, and we don't know what's going to happen. But no, they didn't do any of that. They simply did what Jesus had requested them to do. The Bible says in verse 32, so those who he sent went. Let me ask you a question. Is Jesus asking you to do something? Is he placing a burden on your heart to be engaged in some kind of ministry? where you can begin to impact other lives as he works through you? Um, they, they went, and, and, and what I love about it is they completed the task because the scripture always tells, also tells us in verse 35, they brought to Jesus the donkey. So, so they made themselves available, they did not complain, they followed instructions, and they completed the task. Could it be that Jesus is asking us to do likewise? After all, these were his disciples. These were the folks who said they love him. These are the folks who said, I surrender my all to you. These are those folks that Jesus had recruited for service. And you know something else I've discovered? There's a certain amount of joy. I'm not kidding. There's a certain amount of satisfaction that comes through serving. Those of you who serve, if you're honest, would admit that it's not always easy serving God's people. Somebody said, you know, I love church if it wasn't for the people. That's the craziest thing I've ever heard in my life. If you love God, you're going to love his people because you're just as jacked up as the ones you're serving. So you're in good company. That's why you can't get too above or think too highly of yourself because we all messed up. we all in need of the Lord's immediate attention. We all got some stuff and some mess with us that only God by way of the Holy Spirit, can clean us up from. So there's a certain amount of joy that comes from serving and making ourselves available to him. I, I saw something the other day that was interesting. J.I. Packer, great writer, he's gone on now, folded his tent, moved upstairs. But, but, but he said something that was very interesting. He says, ministry means any form of service. Yeah, I thought that was it. He says... Being a faithful spouse and a conscientious parent is a form of ministry in the home. That, that, that's pretty good, isn't it? Yeah. That, that, so, so you don't have to feel you're not making a contribution, feeling that it's not important what you are doing. No, if you're loving your husband and your wife and you're taking care of your grandchildren, your children, and you're conscientious, 
That's a form of ministry, beloved. That's serving. When you support the elders and the preachers and the pastor of your church through prayers, through making yourself available to serve, through pushing them as they do ministry, yeah, that matters. That, that's important. When you have a ministry responsibility and you fulfill your role or your task, whatever you have been assigned to do, that is, amen, that's service. Even loving care for people who, at any level, physical, mental, material, spiritual, that's ministry. So, 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 so it's been broadened other than just thinking that the only way you can serve is by way of the local church. No, that's good. That's where you ought to be serving in some capacity. But it's much bigger than that. Much bigger than that. Ephesians 6, 7 says, with good will render service as to the Lord and not unto man. Corinthians says, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. Isn't it good to know that the Lord is keeping a record? Hallelujah. Yeah, you, you think what you're doing is for naught and it doesn't matter. But there is one who is keeping record of what we do on his behalf. Okay, you, so you know what? Believe me. Um, Revelations 14 uh, reminds us that we will rest from our labors and their works do follow them. Isn't that amazing? That, that when you close your eyes, fold your tent, and meet Jesus, that your works, what you've done, the food ministry, teaching, whatever, is following you. I just want to make sure I have something following me. It would be a shame to, to, to make that, that journey and you don't have much to show for the good health, the sound mind, the finances, the abilities, the gifting that he's given you and you sat down on it. Woo! Hebrews says, for God is not unrighteous to forget your work and your labor of love, which you have shown in his name. That's good news. That reward is awaiting those who serve. Let me move. Okay, um, one more thing. I'm moving too fast. Um, uh, Eric Lindell. Chariots of Fire. He was in the 1924 Olympics in Paris. He was a gifted runner, but he was also an amazing preacher. And uh, he was torn between the mission field in China and running. And his sister Jenny was like, man, you need to come on and do this mission thing, you know, and leave that running alone. But you know, he, he said something that was interesting. He said, uh, I believe God made me for a purpose for China, but he also made me fast. And when I run, listen to this, he says, I feel his pleasure. <sighs> to give up 
would be to hold him in contempt. To win is to honor him. And as we serve in whatever capacity, we are honoring him. Ain't that something? We get a chance to honor him through our service. And he remembers it. I'm so glad he's got a good memory and that he will remember it. But it teaches us something else. We also learned that you can place your complete trust in the Word of God. The Scriptures can be trusted. Zechariah 9, 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem, behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey. Prophecy is being fulfilled. Now, you may say, what's the big deal? Well, it's about 500 years before Jesus makes his way into Jerusalem. And it all happened just like Zechariah said it would, which means that you and I can place our complete and total trust in sacred scriptures. You can trust 100%. You can put all of your eggs in one basket when it comes to the Word of God. Let me ask you this. Who else can make that kind of guarantee to you? What else can you trust like that? Yeah. I mean, we living in some crazy, crazy, God said, Nick, ain't no Bible for what we're going through now. I said, whoa, I'm going to go quite that far. But, but, but you know what? <laughs> it is pretty crazy. Yeah, and we ought not be surprised. I mean, you know, less of the flesh, pride of life, the world of flesh, the devil. I mean, all this stuff is, yeah, okay. But, but you need to place your trust in the word of God, which means I've got to, first of all, trust him. I've got to have the right relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's my starting point, to trust him. Uh, Romans 15, 4 says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we, through patience and comfort of the Scriptures, I love that, that we, through patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. Hallelujah. Hope is found in the Word of God and is found in a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ because you will never understand the Word of God apart from the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. He's got to talk to you. He's got to reveal the Word to you. He's got to help you apply the Word. That's why folks who are not saved, unregenerate, they can pick up the Bible and they can read it, 
but they'll never really appreciate the essence of what God is saying because natural cannot understand spiritual. But once that Holy Spirit indwells you, regeneration, once you are born again, once you come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes on the inside, makes a permanent abode, he lives, and he reveals to us, helps us understand the Word of God. Yes, the Word of God is True. Man, listen, that's enough to make you operate in a whole nother space when you see and hear some of the foolishness going on. Because you can run right to the Gospels, run right to the, the epistles, just run to the Word. And to some folks, that doesn't move them much, but I tell you what, you let some stuff start happening in your life, and stuff you thought could help you doesn't and won't and can't, but there is one who promised that he would stick closer than a brother. Ah, be careful with your trust. Some people trust in their 401k. Yeah, ain't nothing wrong with that. Their, their thrift savings plan and their retirement plan. and Trust it. Enjoy it. But don't put all of your trust in it. Because it has a tendency to fail and to fall. But I want to hang my hat on something that's not going to fail and fall. I want to hang my hat on the Word of God. So when the storm clouds roll and hell start breaking up beneath my feet, I'll be able to know that I'm trusting in the gospel, the Word of God. Um, I, there's, there's a story told of a pastor who went to visit one of his members. They were not doing very well. Gentleman had, was rather sickly. He needed a, a magnifying glass to read his Bible. Pastor went there and the gentleman was asleep. He didn't want to wake him, didn't want to disturb him. But he saw his open Bible. So the pastor, you know, decided to pick it up. And he started thumbing through the man's Bible, and something strange caught his attention. He kept flipping pages, and he saw the word proved, P-R-O-V-E-D, proved. He saw one of the, flipped, he flipped it, it says, I will never leave you nor forsake you, proved. Cast all your cares upon him because he careth for you. Proved. <laughs> You're going to get this in a minute. Uh-huh. He kept going through there. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. Proved. He kept seeing proved throughout the man's Bible, which, which means that this man discovered that the Word of God can be trusted and is true. He said, the Lord has proven to me time and again that I can trust His Word. What are you trusting? Amen. Trust His Word. And nothing else but His Word. 
Um, I, this thing is so, is so major about trusting his word because we trust so many other things. I, I love what the Psalm 112, verse 7, come one of my favorite. He says, I will not fear bad news, for my heart steadfastly is trusting in the Lord. Wow. He said, I will not fear bad news because my heart is steadfastly trusting in the Lord. Listen, is that your testimony? In spite of all that you hear, in spite of all that you see, that you are steadfastly trusting in the Lord. And as I trust in the Lord, I'm trusting in his word. Something else we learn here, um, that Jesus came with peace and salvation. Jesus came in to Jerusalem on a donkey. He did not show up on a stallion or steed. He showed up on a beast of burden, a donkey that was reserved for princesses who were going to missions in the name of peace. Jesus had a group of unarmed disciples following him. He came in peace. And one message of, of, of Palm Sunday is to recognize that, that peace is still available to those in search of it and is found in the person of Jesus Christ. And he is the one who not only came in peace, but he also came offering salvation. It said, Hosanna, Lord, save us now. See, they were looking for someone to save them from oppression from the Roman government. They were looking for someone to set them free from the difficulty that they were facing. But Jesus said, no, I didn't come to do battle with the Roman government. I, I came to free you from bondage and from sin that's what my job is, to die on that cross so that your sins might be forgiven. He came in peace. He came with salvation. And if you're here today and you don't know him, the good news of the gospel is that you can come just as you are. You don't have to try to clean yourself up because you can't. Chances are, if you could have did it and you haven't, you can't. And let's be honest, some of the stuff we, some of the stains we have, we can't possibly clean. It's only through the blood of Christ that we find his cleansing power available to us. They did something else, and I'm going they, they said something here that was interesting. They said that uh, first, then as he was drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice 
for all the mighty works they had seen. <laughs> so now they were given testimony <clears throat> to, to some things that they had possibly, some miracles that they had witnessed. What I like is it says that they rejoice and praise God with a loud voice. You know, I get the impression that they had little regard for who was watching them. They had little regard to what people were going to say about them. They had little regard about what people would whisper about them. They, it says there, they began to rejoice. And it says that the whole multitude of disciples, they had seen Jesus do some things, and they could not hold their peace. They could not keep it to themselves. Maybe, or perhaps, it was when they saw Jesus heal the man with the withered hand. Um, maybe it was the woman with an issue of blood. Uh, maybe it was, maybe they were among that 5,000 plus women and children who were fed on the hillside with fish and a couple loaves of bread. Um, Maybe, maybe they heard about how Jesus had healed the ten lepers. But whatever it was, they began to reflect on it, and they could not hold their peace. They had to respond to what Jesus had done. And, but okay, I don't have to read about the man with the withered hand or how he cleansed the ten All you got to do is look at your own life. Look at your own life and see how he has delivered you and brought you through some situations that you did not think you would make dangerous, seen and unseen. He showed up. I don't need to look at the man with the withered hand. All I got to do is take a good look and not too deep, not too long at what he has brought me from, what he has kept me from, what he has delivered me from. I don't need their testimony. You've got your own story. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all day long. You know, that's amazing. They just started shouting and getting excited. And I long for the day, and I, I know that some folk, you know, it's funny, and, you know, this whole thing about, you know, manipulating feelings, you know, preach, preaching to felt needs. Well, Scripture teaches me that Jesus always dealt with felt needs of people. <laughs> he never really ignored that. We now, we know so much now. We're so bright. You know, well, you know, I think that maybe they manipulating people because they praying on your emotion. Well, I tell you what, everybody who found Jesus do something, guess what they did? They came back shouting, Lord, I thank you. Lord, you've been good. Jesus said, don't tell nobody now. Shh, don't say nothing. First thing they do, he did it. Jesus did it. I, I. You can unfasten the seatbelt every now and then and let the Lord have his way. And he is not going to be mad. He's not going to say, man, it don't take all of that now. Oh, yes, it do. You don't know what he brought me through and how he still has proven to be faithful in spite of me. Listen, if you knew my story, you'd be shouting for me. 
Let me move. Let me move. So here's my point. Um, these folks were at a place in their walk where they made much of Jesus. That's all I want to do is challenge you. You make, listen, when I think about some of the stuff like you that we make much over, that we give much attention to, you almost feel ashamed. You feel like repenting. Say, Lord, I'm sorry. I don't know what came over me. I have no idea why I'm giving that all that oxygen. Make much over Jesus. Love your kids. Love your wife. Love your job. Love your career. But you know what I'm learning more and more? That I need to make much more over Jesus. Because, <laughs> see, I want to make sure that I make much over him. Because at the end of the day, that's really the most important relationship that is going to matter. What did you do with my son? Did you know him? Did you confess him? Did you serve him? Did you love him? Did you give toward his ministry? That's what's going to matter. That's where the rubber's going to beat the road. Not where you matriculated at and how many degrees you got and what your 401k. He could care less. He's not impressed. Last I read, he, he owns a cattle on a thousand hill. So you think your 401k gonna matter to him? I don't think so. No, no. He's going to want to know what I'm doing with Jesus. Make much of him, beloved, while you have time. Because the day is coming when you're going to look back over your life and you're going to be in Re Regretsville. You know, it'd be too late now, so no use crying now, acting like you're too late. I gave you 50, 60, 40 good years. And you have me no way on your mind. I'm going to hear you, but you know. Make much of him now. One way you can make much of him is by coming to church. Yeah. Make church attendance a priority. That's one way to show that you're making much over Jesus. You're going to go to the place where he promised he's going to meet you. Yeah, make, look, you, 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 you get yourself up every day to go to work. Don't feel like it. Have to be sick. Child, I got to go to work today. Child, I got this report due. Child, they've been calling me at home. They blowing up my... E Jesus been trying to send you emails, voice, message, and everything, and you ain't even hearing them. That employee got you running, jumping through. And No, I'm, hear me. Go to work. Do your job. I got that. But I want to reach a point where I want him to be way up here and maybe some other stuff underneath it. You desire the order, but just keep him at the apex. Another thing, one way we make much of him is, is when we bring our best worship and praise on the Lord's day. Do you know that with the worship team did a wonderful job this morning? God bless y'all. You know, and amen. And see, 
One way to make much over Jesus is when I open my mouth. And listen, it doesn't matter if you can't carry a tuna in a bucket. It doesn't matter. I'm just going to give you my best B flat, D, whatever. I'm giving you my best praise. You know what? Do you, let me tell you something. Do you know some folks come looking for a church where they can praise and worship God, and guess what they do? They watch you. They see how much you love Jesus, and if you're kind of lukewarm and you're cool and calm and collective, they say, well, it was all right. And now, don't get me wrong. I mean, just move as the Spirit leads. Move as the Spirit leads. Bring your best worship. What's wrong with on Saturday night you start getting ready for Sunday morning? What if you start praying for the praise team before you get here? What if you start praying for the preacher before they stand up to preach? See, you've got some pew work to do before you get here. And see, sometimes folk wondering why the service flat and why they happening. You know why? Because church folk who love them ain't praying. What if you took it serious and called up a few? You on the phone? All, look, you on the phone anyway talking to folk. What if you start saying, well, you know, let's pray for Jim tomorrow. I understand he's preaching. Let's pray for Seth tomorrow. I think he's going to be bringing the word. That's making much of Jesus. When you start praying for others. Not just yourself. Bring your best to, to worship. Let your children, your grandchildren, see that you make much of Jesus because you go to church, you serve, you make yourself available. They begin to see that church thing must be serious because grandpapa and grandmama always seem to be going to church on Sundays. And I give Faith Fellowship credit because y'all do an amazing thing with the young people. You know what I mean? Places don't do that. Raise up a child when he's young so that when he's old, not depart from it. Y'all doing a wonderful work here. That's major. And them babies need that because you and I both know it's just getting crazier and crazier. And they're going to need a strong foundation. And it's only going to be found in the Word of God. And then look at what it says. It says... And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Jesus said, But he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. Now, he's talking about doing some stuff that uh, he's talking about creation now that's going to respond to. It's going to give the, the, the inanimate objects. Things, st stuff is going to start happening that they would not even be able to comprehend. He, when he starts talking about the stones are going to begin to cry out. I don't know about you. I don't need stones crying out for me. I don't want stones taking my place. I'm quite capable of praising and thanking God on my own, and you should be as well. You don't need no one taking your place for as good as God has been to you and is still blessing you beyond measure. I don't need no stones crying out. I don't need creation crying out on my behalf. I can do it on my own and just praise him.
and thank him and glorify him and lift his holy and righteous name. That's what we can do. Those are just a few lessons from Palm Sunday. And there are many, many more. But we just thank God for Passion Week and Jesus making his way to the cross to die for your sins and mine. But it all starts with Passion Week and then Good Friday and then Resurrection Sunday. Amen. 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 God bless you.